0: Welcome to the Cabana, the Mike Stoker podcast. I'm Dean Wilson, along with Nolan Anderson, and the Honorable Mike Stoker is with us. Welcome. Episode two. two. Today we're talking about Afghanistan. Happy Monday to you, wherever you are. Um, For those of you tuning in for the first time, Mike Stoker is... Uh, former county supervisor, deputy secretary of state, and he was a Trump appointee as the regional administrator for the EPA for our region, covering eight time zones and 60 million people. And he's written a book that's coming out sometime this fall, but we'll get to that later. Uh, but welcome, Mike and Nolan. Great you. to be here. It's, yeah. it's a wonderful day in the cabana. We're in a cabana half a mile from the Pacific Ocean, the, uh, the mountains to our left, the ocean to our right.
1: It's approximately 71 degrees in the cabana with a slight breeze out of the Southwest. And the only podcast in America that represents the millennials with Nolan, the genera- generation Xers with Dean and the Medicare card carrying baby boomers <laughs> with People me. Like <laughs> we, we are a multi-generational podcast. If you can find another
0: one, we'll give you a prize because we do think we may be unique in that way. Three generations, Three generations. multi-generational podcast in the cabana. Let's go. Let's Let's talk about Afghanistan. So, Mike, we've we've seen unbelievable things unfold in the last seven days. A lot of people are talking about Afghanistan. I know it's a big deal if my 13 and 15 year old sons come home from basketball practice and school and ask me, Dad, what's going on with Afghanistan? It's it's in the news. It's on people's minds. There is some level of tragedy, to put it bluntly, unfolding. So, Mike, where are we? What are your thoughts? And kind of where where do you see this right
1: now? Well, I don't think it's some level of tragedy. This is like this is like the Greek tragedy novel at at its worst. Um, you know, in terms of you know, I'll, I'll I'll go over the timeline in a minute, which is it it really makes you wonder. You know, what, I mean, I hate to say it, I whether the president is almost delusional with things he's saying, and does he really believe it? and things that he's saying that just is factually 100% incorrect. Um, But I mean, the bottom line is this, what what, what everybody knows and there's no debate on, I mean, everybody can try to spin, you know, well, how come and why? Um, We all know that we exited, it was announced by the President Biden that we were gonna be out by August 31st. Uh, We were all together having a meeting a a couple, a week ago last Friday. Um, And I told you then, I said, cabal is going to fall in the next 76 hours. And you got like, I don't know. And then when we met for our, our first podcast, um, you know, which, which, um, it ran on Friday, you know, you guys go, yeah. I mean, look at what has happened in just that one week period. It all happened a week ago, last weekend when we saw just total chaos and we saw the airport and we we saw the map when they show the red you know in where the Taliban have taken over um, and and what that symbolizes i mean the Taliban now have 84 billion dollars of us military equipment the afghan interpreters 20,000 of them the vast majority who we we didn't get out in time, and there's no way with the Taliban surrounding so the airport, are they going to be allowed to a checkpoint? They're not going to drive through a checkpoint because i will know they'll, you know, probably be executed. Uh, we let those people down, and you know, we've sent so many. This is just one of the biggest foreign policy disasters in in U.S. history, and I think unfortunately, with the president. After it happened, it was a second chance for being a commander in chief, and it got worse. And you know, the only analogy I can, you know, I mean, this whole situation, I mean, I, I have so multiple feelings, which I very seldom have, that are complete opposites. I'm, I'm angry and I'm sad and I'm outraged and I'm heartbroken. And I guess my anger and my outrage is over what the United States has done, how we've cut and run, how we betrayed the Afghan people, how we betrayed all those on the ground that were supporting the U S how we betrayed women that under Sharia law are are going to be subjected to so many horrible things, which I will talk about a little bit later in the show. Um, And, and then, um, you know, I'm, I'm outraged and angry because we did that and then I'm I'm heartbroken and saddened and my prayers for every night have been for those good people that I don't whoever your worst enemy is you would never wish to have them subjected to a day what these people are not going to be subjected to the rest of their lives right and we did that and it it makes and if I watched this the total failure of uh, and we'll talk a little later about it, the president, you know, um, allowing this to happen because it could have been avoided, and I'll discuss later, and then what the consequences are. And then when you have, um, you know, the message it sends to the, our allies around the world. I mean, last last Thursday uh, on the floor in parliament, y- united outrage towards the United States, united outrage at our commander-in-chief for what that commander-in-chief had done. You know, that's our That's the United Kingdom, that's England. I mean, you know what Israel's thinking right now. You know what Taiwan's thinking right now. Um, And our ability to tell an ally, hey, we'll have your back, (laughs) that just just went away with how, how our commander in chief handled this whole situation with the initially allowing it to happen and then failing to step to the plate and take the action needed once it did happen. And I, you know, I know, I doubt, I can't believe our millennial Nolan will remember because he wasn't even born. You probably were four or five years old. But the only time I remember feeling like this in my life um, was in the Carter administration, back when we had gas lines around the you know going them for a mile. We had it was being rationed even you know even odd license plates. We had our hostages taken over. Kind of a similar type of feeling of. You know, our, the administration, the president, not having the leadership needed, uh, with our our adversaries and enemies not not being re- respecting our our commander in chief and how our commander in chief would would respond if they took actions against the United States, which is why going back to these original Islamic terrorists. Um, that take on different names over the year, from Al Qaeda to ISIS to Taliban, but there's all you know is centrally woven. It started with Iraq, and we had our hostages in Iraq, and you know, and and in our economy, I mean, we had we, we were running at seven to eight uh, percent um, inflation and twenty one to twenty two percent interest rates, and. That's the only time in my life that I felt that we had lost. America had lost its way. We were floundering. We didn't have a sense of purpose. It. it and I've, ne- you know, I went through growing up, uh, the Bay of Pigs and the, you know, and the Cuban blockade. And I didn't. I mean, John Kennedy stepped to the plate. He was a commander in chief. I didn't feel a sense of floundering. Uh, 9-11, I didn't feel a sense of floundering. I. I, I felt. I mean, it's heartbroken and in a sense of outrage, again, kind of conflicting, How outrage to the terrorists. The same terrorists that started in Afghanistan, remember, that's, that's where Osama was in the caves of Afghanistan. That's why when they t- declared war on us, took down the Twin Towers, George W. declared war on Islamic terrorism and said, we will go wherever that takes us, and the first place was Afghanistan. The, it started in Afghanistan. So don't think that, you know, kumbaya, if we just, oh, we just withdraw everywhere in the world and everything's going to be fine. That's what led to 9-11. And so, you know, that's my sense right now uh, of where I think Americans are feeling like we're we do not have a, a course of action. We don't have a vision where we want to go. It's, and it starts with the bull, bully pulpit of the president of the United States. And we've lost our way and we're embarrassed. I think we're ashamed and we should be. And you know, again, I'll talk about the timeline later, um, but I I really believe the actions of this president and this administration you know, really seriously bring into question his ability to lead. Um, and I, that's, that's where we're at right now.
0: And, and I want, Nolan, I know you did a thesis on the Carter mm-hmm. that period, mm-hmm. but I want to get to that in a second, but, but, but I want to start with this, Mike, president Trump was your boss. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people now are saying, well, Hey, he had a, the people that don't understand what's going on here, right? they're saying, Hey, he had a, they may withdrawal, And there was a, there was a plan for that. So isn't this, you know, doesn't, it does deal in this, but explain to us from being somebody who was insider at the Trump administration, what was happening then versus what's happened since?
1: Well, I, I was running the region nine, the Southwest region of the EPA, so I was focused on the environmental policies. I, was, I am not a foreign policy expert by any way, but one of my good friends, Robert O'Brien, who was the national security advisor, uh, was the foreign policy expert. And I hopefully have him on the show one of these days in the near, near future. But I mean, you know, it was out there for members of Congress and the public. You know, President Trump negotiated a ceasefire, a peace agreement with the Taliban. These same folks, but it was kind of like the agreement, or you know, the policy that um, that Ronald Reagan had called "peace through strength." You know, when you're respected and you have the power and you use your power, which Donald Trump used. People forget when. Uh, Syria gassed their people. We, we took out one of their bases in Iraq, which is our ally. But when there was is, uh, the ISIS at that point, we making advancements from a, ba- a base, one of our bases. We, uh, without a permission of the Iraqi government, which they were upset about, um, we took out the encampments where we knew they were. Um, and, and people, the Taliban, pretty much under Trump, if you look in Afghanistan, it remained low key, and so it was in that framework that the president cut a deal and said, "I I want to get Americans out, and leave it up to the current current Afghan government, and ultimately for representatives of the Taliban, to try to work to create a stable Afghan government where you can coexist." Um, and so. Everybody, the Democrats that want to try to divert attention from, you know, just the entire incompetence of what's taking place, want to talk about the Trump's plan. And Trump was going to exit May 31st. It had, it had milestones in there in terms of The Taliban could not have made attacks. They could not, they they had to stand down. They had to respect women. They had to, you know, they basically could not impose Sharia law. Uh, Sharia law would not be imposed in in Afghanistan. So we had all these milestones. And I don't know, Nolan may have, he may be aware of additional ones. I'm just talking off the top of my head. Uh, And we we, we know that it was reported on Fox, CNN, MSNBC. They had reporters on the ground last November, because the Taliban stayed low until the election was over. After the election and Trump lost, they no longer, they, they got empowered. And it was after the November election that they actually literally, the Taliban, even in Kabul, and it was reported by CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News, the Taliban at night would take over parts of the town with, with roadblocks. And it was all because they no longer feared, they knew the new leader coming in that they didn't fear. They didn't do that until the election was over. And then when you look at what's taken place January, February, March, April, none of the milestones were met. So this is a president that would have said, you know, we never had a a slam dunk hard date, May 31st. That was a target date. If you Taliban keep your part of the deal. And they didn't. And so you know it is complete nonsense for anybody that wants to try to divert attention from the tragedy that's taken place in the last two weeks by trying to say well trump had a may 31st exit date as well
2: yeah so i yeah so the, right here in front of me i have the the agreement pretty simple it fits on four pages um the main things are again just like you're saying mike it's making sure that we withdraw um it's making sure that al-qaeda is not being hidden or harbored in afghanistan um, and it does have on here that May thirty first date, but only if of the, everything else is being met. This is a this is like any any other agreement I've ever seen. Both both parties have to hold their up hold up their end of the deal. And if someone's not doing it, why would I go through on my end? Um, two of those other things are ma- are having a long um, com- comprehensive. Uh, is what I'm looking for there. Uh, comprehensive agreement with the afghan government part of that being a, a ceasefire um which i took place it was supposed to start um in march of 2020 um it didn't start until september of 2020 um and there was no progress made at all in by so, so what trump you're
0: saying is trump, because
1: of this i mean trump wasn't trump would never want to pull out on 3rd no so i mean and I, no. you had to meet the milestones i mean I don't think Trump would allow $84 billion in military equipment to go into the Taliban. Uh, you know, I, he, one thing that Trump always was, was very, very, uh, had a moral compass. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, there's, when you can, when you give people assurances and keep in mind, part of it also was if the Afghan government requested us to stay, or if it would have led to destabilization. And, and again, on the timeline, I'll, when we talk about a little later. All those signs were out there, as I said earlier, the the State Department, what we do know is in the embassy, I don't know if it got vetted all the way up to the president of the United States, but we know there were communiques from people working in the embassy in, in May that went to the intelligence, like the National Security Council and CIA and that, saying, hey, you know, you better really rethink this August 31st exit date. Things are really unstable on the ground. Now, this is coming from our embassy people that are there. And not not people in the intelligence rooms in Washington, D.C. that should be listening to those people. And they were saying, you know, the Taliban are greatly empowered. They've been just basically staying low and they're ready to when the time is right, when at the right time of the American withdraw, that they're going to come in and come in hard. And there's a very good chance that they that, that all of Afghanistan could fall in a short period of time. Now, that went from people in the embassy that are intelligent leaders. We know the CIA, we now know this for a fact, the CIA briefed the president, and this is a good segue for me to maybe go start talking about our timeline, briefed the president of various alternatives, scenarios that could happen. One of those alternatives was that the Taliban could have a immediate and quick um, success in completely overtaking the country but they believed that it was probably not likely because they thought the Afghan security forces would, would hold longer. Um, and But the president was definitely told this could happen. And the people in the embassy in May were t- telling the intelligence community, and I don't know for a fact whether that got to the president. What I do know is on July 7th or 8th, the president came out in one of the questions in a press conference, and and said you went know, to some reporter, hey, are you not concerned potentially that you could have the Taliban, you know, basically make a surge in Afghanistan and basically take over during during the American withdrawal or even shortly after the American withdrawal, because the whole idea of the Trump framework agreement was that there would not be a change of regime, the, the Afghan government would stay in because there would have been more stability, and to that. Um, president Biden said, "Absolutely not. There is very little, or any chance at all, that there will be a sudden surge with the Taliban, where they could take over, you know, take over Afghanistan. That th- that is so important. Which you know, what you're going to end up having is Kabul commissions, which independent commissions to find out what happened. Either the the intelligence community told the president." what we now know they said they did and said, this is an option. Now, how they described it in terms of how how serious or how, you know, how how, how little of a chance, I have no idea, but it was told. And I think a Trump would say, if there's any chance at all, we're not going. You know, that that's what the framework of the agreement was. You're telling me there's a chance. Well, all we've done for 20 years, there's a chance. If he was told that, then this is on the president. That's where I come down. And I think you're looking at, you know, I do know one thing then. I know in the military, I'm pretty sure, our veterans know for a fact, if you're in the theater of war and you order a withdrawal, leaving American soldiers and that abandoned, uh, you just committed, uh, you you committed a a, a crime that you'll be, uh, you know, basically brought home and you'll have a court martial. That's what the president of the United States is, a commander in chief. So if, if a, if a, if a officer in the field could be court-martialed for abandoning, intentionally abandoning and cutting and run, then I think uh, what should be on the table for president of the United States, is that an impeachable high crimes or or misdemeanors offense? Because if the president was told this, then either he Mm. totally ignored it or I I don't want to get into the whole, you know, the folks out there that believe in the dementia stuff. Okay. That's not what this shows about, you know, you know, I often have been concerned when I see the president at the podium and looks like the deer, you know, in headlights and and kind of rambles through his answer and often is answering something that wasn't the question. If he was told this, then it's on him. And that raises a real question of the, the capability. But Let me finish this thought. If he wasn't told this and our intelligent knew it, then the president of the United States today should be firing his director of CIA, his secretary of defense, his national security advisor, whoever was in the room that knew that this could happen and they didn't tell him. It's one or the other, can't have it both ways.
0: Isn't it a a similar group of advisors? And could could you compare this to Iraq, to what happened in Iraq under President Obama? I
1: I think it's spot on on, on, uh, 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 with, with Obama. You have many of the same advisors that advised President Obama that America could withdraw from Iraq because he had made that a big issue in the campaign with, with Senator McCain. Um, you could withdraw from Iraq and Iraq would be completely stable and you would not have, you know, there would not be any worries. At that point, uh, and these were the same advisors, ISIS had a foothold, they had a, a foothold, but a really small foothold in Iraq. It was not looked at. Uh, that significantly, but a lot of people I know in the intelligence community, kind of the the, the think tank intelligence community. If you go back to when they, if you're going to want to play repeats of CNN and MSNBC and Fox News, when the president was announcing his intent to withdraw from Iraq, because you know he had full confidence that the Iraqi government was stable and they were not at risk at all. Uh, You you will see numerous people that have intelligent backgrounds going, you know, either his intelligence people have lost it um, or the president isn't listening to him. Because we all know that if you leave the United States of America, ISIS is going to they're going to take advantage of that and you're going to see a surge. And that's exactly what happened by the end of 2016 when the president, President Trump, won. ISIS had basically taken over all of Iraq, including Baghdad, and the only reason ISIS isn't there today is because President Trump was the one that took on ISIS and completely defeated it. So there is no question in my mind. Um, the 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 and there is a lot of analogies, uh, but I think in a lot of way, Afghanistan is worse because at the time we had left Iraq, the government had been up and going for like basically a decade. Uh, we weren't putting interpreters in harm's way and people like that. We had been long beyond that stage. You know, what you have in Afghanistan is a whole lot of people that have supported the U.S. that now have a death warrant on their name uh, as an Afghan resident. Um, and, and actually, too, the Taliban are even a little more, when you look at their version of jihad versus ISIS, not that ISIS was good, but the Taliban in Afghanistan is even worse. So, you know, when there's no question what happened with Biden and his decision to withdraw Afghanistan and leading to the Taliban completely taking over the country is exactly the same as what happened in Baghdad. It's just that ISIS never completely overtook the country. I'm sure if Hillary Clinton would have won that war, they would have. but Donald Trump did, and they didn't. And Donald Trump and the United States completely defeated ISIS.
0: If you're a praying person like we are, we're praying for the church in Afghanistan. We're praying for the people of Afghanistan, the women of Afghanistan. The you know the, the church in Afghanistan is the second fastest growing church in the world, trailing only Iran. Uh, and the stuff that I've been reading and hearing is horrifying in terms of what's going on and the fears and the... the, the, the uh, the circumstances that these folks find them in and they're isolated because they can't gather with other if you're a christian in, in afghanistan right now you're not able to gather with other christians because you're petrified because they're coming for you so it's it's a it's it's real the facts on the ground you know reuters was reporting the taliban kill women for not wearing burqa on the same day they vow to honor women's rights taliban reporting shooting uh shoot dead protesters in jalalabad now uh, that's in the ap so there's, there's news reports are spreading that despite what the Taliban is saying about how they're going to do this and that, what's actually happening is horrifying. So we're joyful praying people, but we're also not insulated from what's happening on the ground in Afghanistan right now. So we invite you uh, to, to pray if you're a praying person for these folks. Uh, there are a lot of people in harm's way. We'll be back with more. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more. This is the Mike Stoker Podcast. Welcome back to the Mike Stoker podcast. Welcome back to the cabana. We're a half mile from the Pacific ocean, 71 degrees. Dean Wilson with the great Mike Stoker and Nolan Anderson with me. And we're so glad you came back. We're, we're here. We're talking about Afghanistan today. This is episode two. Um, much more to come this week. Stay tuned. Make sure you keep checking back. Make sure you tell your friends. This is a great place where you're going to be able to find trustworthy information from an expert uh, there's a lot of confusion in the news these days. There's a lot of spin. There's a lot of uh, angling, but that's not what you're going to get here. You're getting the news. You're getting it straightforward from a from a man who's been uh, in key positions in leadership in the Trump administration and the county supervision here in Santa Barbara, California, where we sit as a deputy secretary of state. So Mike Stoker brings a lot to the table. I think this is a great place to get straightforward information. So Mike, we were talking about Afghanistan. Uh, well, let's continue. With kind of well, you
1: know what we were talking about. I said that either, you know, either the intelligence community, which we know, said this could very well happen, and I talked about the communiques from staff in the embassy in Kabul in May advising the intelligence community and headquarters in Washington D.C. that this could definitely happen, and they expected it to happen. And the president, you know, wants to say that he never was. Told this could happen and this complete surprise. And I just mentioned before we went to break, we now know that that's not the case. His intelligence community knew something completely opposite of what the president is telling the American public. And that means either he was briefed and is lying to us, he was briefed and he's forgotten that he was told that, which has much l- bigger consequences potentially, or they knew it and didn't tell him, in which case, every one of those intelligent leaders that knew it, that were in the room with him, that didn't tell him should be fired. It's one or the other, you can't have it both ways. And so, you know, one of the things that that brings to question is um, the overall scorecard for this Biden administration, which I think fails on so many fronts. And this Wednesday, what our show will be, unless some breaking news will preempt it, because we're always going to be timely on news of the day, um, but we often can also plan ahead this wednesday um, if all goes uh, according to plan uh, we will have a, the show will be talking about the biden administration's first year scorecard you know we'll go down the list the economy you know uh homeland security you know border security you know foreign policy uh the environment and we'll go down that checklist so uh, that's this Wednesday. I urge you all to t- tune in, and obviously, what's happened in Afghanistan will be discussed in that scorecard, which I think you know how I already feel on that one. That's a big, you know, a big, big F, about as big as F's can get. So, you know, let's. I want to do two things. Bef- you know, before, before this show is over, I want to kind of go over the timeline a little bit, and then I want to definitely uh, talk about the, the Christians that were left behind and the women that were left behind, and and what it means for them. Uh, before we're over with the show, so let, let's go over the timeline. July seventh or eighth, Biden said there would be no collapse uh, based on the withdrawal, based on his security and intelligence uh, advisors and what they had advised him uh, that none of this would happen. It, you know, it wasn't even a, a plausible thought. As I just said, we know that his his the intelligence community did know this was very, could, was could very well happen, and certainly was a a a possibility. Um, and that means either he's not being honest with us or they didn't tell him, which somebody didn't do their job. Um, you then roll the clock forward after he said all that. And it was a, you know, a week ago this last weekend when this all happened. And so a week ago today, Biden throws his first press conference. And in that first press conference where he goes, though no, the buck stops here like Harry True. And then he goes on to blame every everybody. Uh, blamed it on Trump and his exit plan, which we talked about earlier. You know, this was not you know Trump's type of exit. <laughs> Trump's was the Taliban had to meet the milestones. They never met, met the milestones, had Trump been president because they didn't meet the milestones, there would be no withdrawal. And that probably would have empowered the president to sit down with the Taliban and go, do you want us to leave or not? You know, the, the, these are the framework for doing it. So he threw a press conference last Monday, where he basically says we didn't know this was going to happen. Uh, I wasn't told it could happen, and it's all it's you know it's it's because the Taliban people cut and run, and their army were a disgrace. He literally, I mean, how I was embarrassed when I heard him blame this on the Afghan security forces, um, and then he blamed it on Trump. But yeah, you know, after you know the buck stops here, you know, being the, the true Harry Truman Democrat that you know our Mr. President Biden is, he blames it on everybody and, and says he has no blame. Then, you know, so that's Monday. On Wednesday, on Wednesday, when all hell is breaking, I mean, it's now gotten to where everything has collapsed. They have taken over the government buildings. Uh, the only thing that the United States have secure is the airport, and the Taliban have a completely, have surrounded the peripheral with road, you know, with roadblocks that, um, that they completely control who gets in and gets out. He throws a press conference in that setting, and he announces that everybody in America that has had a vaccine will need a booster shot. Uh, he announces that he's going to cut off Medicare and Medicaid aid to nursing homes that do not require a vaccine. Uh, and he, he announces that he's going to take on all these governors that aren't being as strong as they should in regards to responding um, to to COVID, basically meaning Governor Abbott and DeSantis who have said they're not going to require children in schools to wear a face mask and he tried to spin that in a a way that was deceitful and, and untrue where he was implying that those governors had ordered kids going to school could not wear a face mask that's not what those governors did libertarian republican governors basically give people the right to make a choice and he gave the parents the right to make a choice and so he announces that on wednesday and all the reporters are like going, hey, that's cool, but we want to talk about Afghanistan, as he walks off, and they're yelling, Afghanistan, Afghanistan. I mean, where is the commander-in-chief? How can you even go to a press conference last Wednesday? So then it gets worse. I mean, I'm not making this stuff up, folks. You know, go out there and look. Um, he he holds a press conference this last Friday. And in that press conference, I mean, again, this is this delusional, or do we have a a president that we need to really be concerned about in terms of mental capabilities in that press conference he unequivocally stated there is no al qaeda in afghanistan he said that last friday 3 days ago everyone there, there is not one person in the in the biden administration and the intelligence community that will say that's true every because every it, this is common fact we all know al qaeda is in so you tell me with that timeline that I've get just given, how do we, and oh, and the other thing he said in that press conference last Friday, he goes, we, 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 we believe we're going to get all our Americans out. And he goes, we're hoping the Taliban will play by the rules. I wrote that down last Friday, quote unquote, we're hoping the, ta- well, I think he's meaning his rules that he likes to play with it. Everybody sings Kumbaya, and everybody in the world is nice. And mm-hmm. of course, people like this would never bomb nine, you know, take out our twin towers because people in the in Biden's world don't do that thing. And that's why we can leave Iraq and no ISIS won't overtake it, which they did. And why he said, okay, well let's, let's go leave Afghanistan and know the Taliban are wonderful. And so now he's, I guess, he thinks his rules uh, that they're going to play by. Well, let me tell you the rules that they're going to play by. They have Sharia law, and I brought this up, I you know I downloaded it today. It's uh, out of the uh, um, uh, it, it's it's out of a Taliban website. And it says according to Taliban's ideology, Afghanistan is a Muslim country, and non-Muslims must leave Afghanistan or accept second-class status for Christians coming from convert backgrounds. That means the Afghans that were there and converted which is the 1.2 million, it's the second largest faith in Afghanistan behind Muslim, the Taliban will consider them apostates and su- subject to Sharia's deadliest consequences. That's from the Taliban, deadliest consequences. And we're seeing it, you mentioned the headlines. Now, Now let's go, and this is a fact of, in terms of what were the Taliban like the last time they were there? These wonderful people playing by the Biden rolls, Okay. Last time women were effectively put under house arrest, all women, this isn't like, you know, somebody does a bad thing house, all women, put under house arrest, being prevented from going on their balconies or going to work, attending school over the age of 10 or accessing healthcare administered by a man. They also had to wear the burqa and cover their faces in public from the age of eight and be accompanied by a male guardian if they wanted to leave the house. Okay. well. That's the Taliban rules. Welcome to not your rules, President Biden. Welcome to the Taliban rules. So that now raises the next question, and let's let's first talk about the Christians. Now I can tell you right now, as bad as things are right now, once the United States is out, they run the show. There, there has to be a little bit of common sense with the Taliban leaders going. You know, let's not push that button too far right now. They're leaving. They're cutting and running, giving another month, and it's all ours. Sharia law will really see it. So any of you that are have been watching the images on TV and are outraged, you know, stay tuned for part two, part three, part four. And this book doesn't get any nicer. You know, the rules that President Biden's talking about are not going to be seen. These are going to be the rules of the real Taliban, the same people that took out the you know twin towers. And the same people that impose those kind of conditions on Afghanistan women the last time they were in charge. But, you know, let's talk about what's happening right now with Christians. Now, this is according to um, an underground church that partners with Frontier Alliance International, FAI, has reported that the Taliban are targeting Christians for death, according to FAI. And this is the exact quote. The Taliban has a list of known Christians they are targeting to pursue and kill. The U.S. embassy is defunct and there is no longer a safe place for believers to take refuge. All borders to neighboring countries are closed and all flights to and from have been halted with the exception of private planes. People are fleeing into mountains looking for asylum. They are fully relying on God who is the only one who can and will protect them. The Taliban are going door to door taking women and children. The people must mark their house with an X if they have a girl over 12 years old so that the Taliban can take them if they find a young girl and the, and the house was not marked they will execute the entire family if a married woman 25 years or older has been found the taliban will promptly kill her husband do whatever they want to her and then sell her as a sex slave. husbands and fathers have given their wives and daughters guns and told them that when the taliban come they can choose to kill them uh, or kill themselves it is their choice That that's from i'm just reading direct quote so we know what's going to happen to christians we know what's going to happen to women. What what you would not wish on your biggest enemy to be su- subjected to for one day, they're going to be subjected to the rest of their lives under Taliban rule. And, and then it makes me ask, where has our vice president been? Now, I know when she was appointed the czar of the border and the immigration chaos, um, We didn't see her for, she didn't even go down to the border. When she finally, after two months said, I'm going down to the border, it was actually not at the border. Um, I think it was at Laredo, 10 miles north of the border. But she didn't want to go down to that, to, you know, ground ground Charlie there, where there were thousands and thousands being held and detained, where there was total chaos. Um, I mean, can you imagine, let's see, um, Vice President Mike Pence was made czar of COVID uh, and, and the COVID response. We saw him every day. Every single day we saw him. Can you imagine if President Trump would have appointed him and um, and f- like for two months when it was really bad and everybody's going, where's the vice president? So the last 10 days, where's the vice president? I have only seen her once. I saw her in the press conference last Friday, when the, which is the press conference that I, I mentioned to you a minute ago when the vice president said, he hopes that that, that the Taliban that will play by the rules and that there was no Al-Qaeda. Everybody knows there's no Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. And he made that statement, which is 100 percent false. The vice president was standing to his right or his, to, yeah, his right, our left in the press conferences. We viewed it wearing her face mask and walked up with the president, let the president give his comments and take a couple questions and then walked off with the president. That's that's the only thing we've seen from Kamala Harris in the last 10 days, our vice president. And the woman that claims so much about women rights, how dare you, you should be ashamed of yourself that you could have used the, the bully pulpit of the vice presidency to be out speaking on behalf of the women in Afghanistan and, and calling for the international community to put the make the pressures are put on the Taliban so that the women are not treated like what I just read they were 20 years ago. That the women that have been able to go out like the journalists yesterday. That the Taliban are on Friday said uh, your your credentials are revoked. You no longer work. You're no longer a reporter. Women can't do that here. Um, the 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 human rights violations and especially the human rights violations that are going to be taking place against. The Christians. I understand Kamala Harris not wanting to use her belly pulpit to talk about Christians, but the woman that wants to talk about women's rights all the time that does, doesn't even want to take on the Taliban and just condemn them for what is already happening and warning them if they do what we know they'll do. She she in my book just became the biggest. I I think Biden just kind of forgets or doesn't know she knows. She's a hypocrite, you know, and the next time I see her speaking out on women's rights in America and know that she didn't do anything after this administration, put those women in this situation is an outrage and is shameful.
0: Nolan, you did, you did a little report. Yeah. Uh, as part of your Westmont College thesis. Yes. Talk, talk a little bit about that. You're a millennial. Yeah. You're seeing this from... Your perspective, yeah. but you've done a little bit of
2: done a little bit of homework,
0: the homework on yeah. this. Talk about yeah. It.
2: So, um, yeah, my capstone at Westmont, um, I was a history major. I specialized in non-Western, especially of the Middle East. Um, but my final capstone was on the Carter administration and the Iranian of Revolution of seventy-nine, which we've already kind of talked about. Um, and there are so many parallels that we. I mean, I think Mike, you're right. Iraq is a perfect parallel but there are a lot of parallels you can also draw um, to the to the Carter administration really um, dropping the ball is putting it lightly I think on that um, revolution I think a couple things one you think it's it's interesting we have you know Biden in July saying everything's fine we're not gonna have hostages we're not gonna have helicopters off the roof and then we see that happening and the same thing um, only over a much longer period of time you have Carter going Iran's not going to fall. It's an island of stability in, the, in a in a region of chaos. I think is what he's is something along the lines of that he says on December thirty first of seventy seven, and then come twelve months later, you have uh, the Shah fleeing the country and and then running for his life, basically the rest of his rest of his life. Um, I mean, where is the yeah same thing? Where is the intelligence community going? Um, hey, there's a problem here. You know, raising their finger saying we have a little bit of a problem, and we do see that. In the, in the Carter, Carter administration um, in the fall of 78, you have um, Ambassador Sullivan calling uh, the president saying, if you don't do something quick and you don't change what's happening, the facts on the ground are, this is gonna end quickly and it's gonna end badly. And we're not gonna be here anymore and the revolution's taking over. And it's the same, like my career saying, it's the same sort of radical um, ideology. This is not mainstream or millions of Muslims around the world that don't believe this sort of fervent. This is the way women can't go out of the home. Um, and it, even in Iran, women have more freedoms than they're going to be given under the Taliban, which is ludicrous to, to even try to imagine. Someplace as repressive as Iran has more female freedoms.
1: And, and what we know is what the ambassador in Iran told the president, President Carter, is exactly what those mm-hmm. people in the U.S. embassy in May. Told our intelligence community that's what you do in embassies. You yeah. you flag up the intelligence back to Washington D.C. and I, they did that. And you know so I think there are a lot of failure. Like I said, the only time in my life that I have I have felt our country has lost its moral compass. Uh, that I have felt that you know we kind of are floundering. Uh, we 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 don't we have lost the respect with our allies. Only time in my life I've ever felt that was with the Carter administration. What happened with the Iranian hostages. And keep in mind how important having a leader that our enemies fear and respect is. Those same, that those same, the, the leaders in in Iran, um, the Ayatollah and 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 the other leaders, they delivered our hostages on inauguration day <laughs> when President Reagan was getting sworn in because they thought he was going to be that crazy cowboy that you know you know. Could take the world to nuclear war and he would take you know take them out mm-hmm. and they didn't want to mess with him i i will never know i will bet you if trump was the president the taliban that president biden's day saying oh play by the nice rules please And i'm counting on them to play by the nice rules um they never would have crossed the line to get a president trump to have to engage to take them on and take them out as he did with isis mm-hmm. or in, Ira-
0: in iraq I want to read a quick statement from President George W. Bush. Uh, This is a couple of days ago. Laura and I have been watching the tragic events unfolding in Afghanistan with deep sadness. Uh, Our hearts are heavy for both the Afghan people who have suffered so much and for the Americans and NATO allies who have sacrificed so much. The Afghans now at the greatest risk are the same ones who have been at the forefront of progress inside their nation. President Biden has promised to evacuate these Afghans along with American citizens and our allies. The United States government has the legal authority to cut the red tape for refugees during urgent humanitarian crises. And we have the responsibility and the resources to secure safe passage for them now without bureaucratic delay. Our most stalwart allies, along with the private non-government organizations, NGOs, are ready to help. So we have pretty widespread concern from former presidents. Uh, we have, the a lot of information coming out about the underground church. So once again, you know we're three guys who are praying people, and we encourage you to 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 pray for the situation in Afghanistan.
1: Well, and you know let, this is not a partisan issue. I think anybody listening to this podcast, liberal, conservative, Republican, independent uh, Democrat, I mean, I, I think everybody's feeling either ashamed, we're feeling heartbroken for the Afghan people. We're questioning an administration and, and their leadership, but this is not a partisan issue. I mean, let me go down what, some, what Democrats are saying. Uh, Senate Foreign Relations Chairman Robert Mende- M- M- Menendez, and quote, and implemented this flawed plan. This isn't me, this is Men- Menendez saying it. I'm disappointed the Biden administration clearly did not accurately assess the implications of a rapid U.S. withdrawal. We are now witnessing the horrifying results of many years of policy and intelligence failures. Um, Here's uh, Jack Reed, uh, a Rhode Island Democrat, who is a Senate Armed Services Chairman, um, who is going to hold hearings on, quote, unquote, what went wrong in Afghanistan. Uh, And he says that that we need to be asking tough but, quote, ask tough but necessary questions about why why weren't we better prepared for a worst case scenario involving such a swift and total collapse of the Afghan government security forces um, I can go on and on. You have John uh, Langevin, uh, a, a Democrat congressman from Rhode Island. I, I mean, I, I got about 10 or 15 Democrats that are very prominent that are all saying the same thing. And it gets back again. If it, if, if Biden, we know his intelligence community knew it. If the intelligence community knew it and they didn't it to the president, they should be fired. If the intelligence community knew it and they told it to the president, then either forgotten that raises a whole nother question that, I'm not an expert on, but I think you know where I'm going on that. Or he chose to ignore it, and then he owns it, and he shouldn't be lying it to us anymore when he says he was never told that. You can't have it all ways. What I just laid out, it's one or the other.
0: Amazing. Amazing times that we're in, uh, tragic times for this, for this part of the world. So once again, pray for Afghanistan. Um, we thank you for listening to the Mike Stoker po- Podcast and we will see you next time tell a friend the only multi-generational podcast that's happening in a cabana i'm convinced in the world mike stoker podcast everybody we'll see you next time somebody